the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Simply put, in a word, it was idolatry. He was unfaithful to God. And anything that we elevate above God is idolatry. People can become idols in our lives. Possessions can become idols in our lives. Certain ambitions can become idols in our lives. We can make idols out of ourselves, for that matter. Anything has the potential of being adored more than God. And when that happens, God does not get the glory that he is rightly due. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. When you have an idol, you don't give God the glory that's due to him. In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you about idolatry. Idolatry is anything that you elevate above God. Idols can be people, possessions, ambitions, or even yourself. Pastor Gary explains that it's anything you adore more than God. Instead of God receiving the glory that's due to Him, it's wrongly placed elsewhere. Do a heart check with God and ask Him to reveal any potential idols in your life. To God alone be the glory. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel chapter 5 as he continues his message, When God Weighs Us. His face turned pale and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips... <laughs> were loosened, and his knees knocked together against each other. So, you know, he's just like, he's like doing all this, right? Because he's all, he's all nervous about what, and, and, and you know, I don't, I don't doubt that we, we wouldn't be just like Belshazzar here. You're sitting in your house having a dinner party with people. They've come over to your home. And all of a sudden, this human hand starts walking across the floor and up on the wall and starts writing things out. I mean, you'd be a little freaked out too. So he's all weak in the knees. He's trembling with fear. He's literally physically trembling. He's, he's quivering in his shoes with fear here. And, and this is what is happening. And God is writing out Belshazzar's fate. And really, he's writing out the fate of the entire Babylonian Empire. And we find out exactly what was written on the wall near the end of this chapter when Daniel interprets the writing. And if you glance in your Bibles at verse 25, you see four different Aramaic words that are written on the wall by this human hand that appears. And in verse 25, those four Aramaic words are mene, mene, tekel, uparsin. 
And these words simply translate, many, many is, is repeated there, because whenever you see a word repeated, it often is used for emphasis. And so, mene means numbered in Aramaic, tekel means weighed, and uparsin, u is just the word for and, parsin is the plural word of perez, and it means divided. So, it's saying numbered, weighed, and divided. And Daniel interprets the writing on the wall in verse 26 to 30. If you look at your Bibles, verses 26 through 30, this is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Now, this is Daniel speaking to Belshazzar. This, he's pronouncing judgment against Belshazzar from the Lord. Mene, your, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Verse 27, Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, which is the singular of Parson, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, again, remember, there's a co-regency between Nabonidus and Belshazzar, so they're actually saying, Daniel, you're number three man in the kingdom here. And so, you know, Belshazzar clothes him in purple, puts, you know, this, this golden chain around his neck, which, I, you know, Daniel's not impressed by any of this stuff. He's 82 years of age by now. He's drawing Social Security. He's not impressed with any of this. He's like, you know, whatever, you know, I don't really care. And so, you know, but they're doing all this to honor him, and, and yet, and yet, Verse 30 says, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Now, note with me here, little history. History tells us, and this is exactly what the Bible tells us too, that Darius the Mede, history tells us Darius the Mede was made governor of Babylon by Cyrus the Persian, who's the real victor in this story. And it began a co-regency between the Medes and the Persians. Now, the Medes had a small territory called Medea, which was just north on a map today of Iran. So we're talking the region of Azerbaijan and, and part of the region of Kurdistan. And the Persians in this story were the people of the larger territory of Iran. In fact, until 1935, Iran was always called Persia. And so these two relatively smaller countries come together, forming an alliance against the Babylonian Empire. And thus the empire that succeeded the Babylonian Empire was the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus the Persian was king, Darius the Mede was governor. Uh, this is something that was not just a matter of, you know, circumstance. There was actually providential intervention in this because Isaiah the prophet back in Isaiah chapter 45 actually prophesied Cyrus by name 150 years before Cyrus was even born because God had already predetermined that he would, as the Bible says, he raises up kings and he deposes them. And God had raised up Nebuchadnezzar for a time, and he raised up the Babylonian Empire for a time because he was teaching his own Jewish people, the people whom he loved, a matter of discipline that they were steeped in idolatry, and he was prying them loose from idolatry and returning their hearts to him. And God used the Babylonians for a 70-year season to rid the Jewish people of idolatry. But when those 70 years were up, God tore down an empire, raised up another. 
And God providentially raised up Cyrus the king who would be favorably disposed to the Jewish people. And Cyrus would be the one to allow the Jews to go back to their homeland after the 70 years was complete. So this was all part of the providential hand of God here. And what's interesting is, just as a historical matter, that you have to understand how fortified the Babylonian city was. It was considered the invincible city of its day. How in the world did Cyrus the Persian, Darius the Mede, the Medes and the Persians, take Babylon in a single night without even firing a single arrow? Well, history tells us. The Babylonian city was fortified by a wall that was more than 30 stories tall. We're talking more than 300 feet and 80 feet thick. The Babylonians had also taken the Euphrates River and diverted it underneath the city wall of Babylon so that it meandered throughout the city, providing beautiful scenery and fresh water. And then they also diverted part of the Euphrates around the ancient city of Babylon to serve as a wet moat for an extra measure of defense. And yet the Persians and the Medes come in and overthrow this city in a single night. How did it happen? Herodotus, the historian, tells us that Cyrus the Persian dammed up the Euphrates River a mile and a half upstream. And then the Persians simply crawled through under the walls of Babylon on the dry riverbed of the Euphrates up into the city. On this particular night, this covert mission between the Medes and the Persians, they overtook the city of Babylon while Belshazzar was having this drunken dinner party. The Medes and the Persians simply dammed up the Euphrates River and then crawled underneath a wall without even firing a single shot. And on that night, Belshazzar died and all of his officials, and it was the end of the Babylonian Empire. And the anniversary is coming up in one week from today because in the Babylonian annals, they recorded the date as October the 13th, 539 B.C. The Babylonian Empire fell. And God had a providential hand in all of this. Now, when God pronounced his indictment against Belshazzar with this writing on the wall, God said basically three things. One, your days are numbered. Two, your kingdom will be divided. And three, this word tekel, he says, I have weighed you and found you to be wanting or literally to be lacking. So the question becomes, how does God weigh us? And what can we learn from the life of Belshazzar in terms of, from his story, what particular ways was he wanting or lacking that we might learn from his sad story? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us in different ways that God weighs us. Job would write in Job 31, 5 to 6, if I have walked with falsehood or if my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. Integrity. Solomon would write in Proverbs 16, verse 2, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. When you start talking about things like integrity and motives, we're talking none other than the heart issues. And the Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So let's take a look at what God says here through Daniel about Belshazzar that we might learn a few things about 
what might be lacking, not only in his life, but perhaps in our own. In chapter 5 here, I'm going to read verses 18 through 25. Here's what Daniel then is inspired by the Lord to speak this indictment against Belshazzar. Look at the words of the Lord through Daniel here in chapter 5, verse 18. He says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father, literally ancestor, grandfather, a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. God gave it to him. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, his his descendant, his grandson, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, uparsin. I'm going to give four points from this rebuke of Belshazzar from the lips of Daniel in a teaching here today that I've entitled, When God Weighs Us. And here's the first thing. When God weighed the heart of Belshazzar, the first thing that he saw was lacking, number one, was accountability. Daniel gets through reviewing the testimony of Belshazzar's grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. He just lays it out. He just reviews it with him. He says, listen, you remember how your grandfather, the king, he was at the pinnacle of glory when he was king, but he also experienced the valley of defeat. He went from on top of the mountain to a very low place because God needed to humble him. And over the period of 30 years, God got a hold of your grandpa's heart until finally your grandfather surrendered to him. Oh, it took a big deal. It took making Nebuchadnezzar temporarily insane until he finally would look up to heaven, lift up his countenance and look to God. And finally he surrendered to God. After eating grass like oxen, this guy finally got to the bottom of himself and looked up to God. And Daniel says to Belshazzar, and you were a witness of all this. You saw all this. You knew this. Belshazzar was old enough to know what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. And because he saw this and he witnessed the testimony of his grandfather going from the glory of a king to the humility of a lowly servant under King God. Daniel says to Belshazzar, you are more accountable because you saw the hand of God working in the life of your grandfather, but it has had no impact on you. And because of that, you lack accountability. Listen to me on this, friends, because this applies to all all of us, every single one of us. The more you know, the more accountable you are. If you have been exposed to a greater light, you have greater responsibility. Too many times people are worried about what God is going to do with that guy on the island. This mysterious guy on the island. 
What about this guy on the island who never hears about the gospel of Jesus? And what's going to happen to that person? Would God really punish that person and send him to hell if they never even really heard? And too many people are preoccupied with this fictitious guy on the island instead of looking in their own hearts and recognizing where do I stand in relation to God? Because let me tell you something. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.21 that God has more grace for somebody who's never heard than for somebody who has. Because in 2 Peter 2.21, it says it would be better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn their backs on the sacred command. So God apparently has some kind of gracious provision in mind for those who have never heard. And that's, and that's God's dealing with the way he deals with those who have never heard, never know, and don't understand. But for us who know, who have heard, who understand, who have been exposed to a greater light, we are more accountable. There's no excuse for us. Belshazzar was this guy. Because God had revealed himself to Belshazzar through the life of his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. And he witnessed his own grandfather's life and testimony. And nevertheless, it had no impact. And so God says, you are lacking in this area. You are wanting in the area of accountability. Secondly, in this rebuke from Daniel, we see that he also was lacking in humility. In verse 22, first part of verse 22, it says, But you, his son, his grandson, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. And once again, pride has become the downfall of a man. In Proverbs 8, verse 13, it says, Pride and arrogance I hate, says the Lord. Why does the issue of pride keep coming up over and over again in the Bible as one of the big sins of all time? Why is it that God hates pride and arrogance? Here's the reason why. Because pride positions us in the place of God where we start to take credit for what God has done, either intentionally or unintentionally. We begin to lose sight of the goodness of God and the blessings of God, and the mercies of God, and the grace of God. And we begin to believe the lie that we somehow are the source of all that. That all of our possessions, and all of our accomplishments, and all of our abilities, and all of our skills and success are the result of our own hand instead of the hand of God. This is pride. The self-sufficient life that exists apart from God. James 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Proverbs 29 verse 23 says, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. You know, it's often counterintuitive with our culture because our culture is making it all about me. It's all about myself. It's all about what I can do, what I can achieve, what I can accomplish, what I own, what I've done. And the idea behind being a Christ follower means that we crucify self, we humble self, we acknowledge God, and pride is that great obstacle, and it is often that great downfall, and it certainly was in Belshazzar's life. He lacked humility. Number three, Belshazzar gets called out for the contempt that he showed for God by using sacred vessels that had been confiscated from the temple of God in Jerusalem as drinking cups for his dinner party. If you look here at verse 23, It says, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. So God took note of the fact that he used sacred things 
for secular purposes. So number three, he was lacking in sanctity about God because he didn't revere God. He didn't see God as holy. He didn't honor God as being righteous and just and sacred. He used these sacred vessels, these gold and silver goblets taken from the temple of God, just as common everyday drinking cups. And he used them to get drunk off of. And so Daniel, as part of his rebuke, says, listen, you have treated the sacred as secular. You've used the vessels that were holy and honorable for something that was unholy and unhonorable. Now, listen, the most sacred vessel that you and I possess is our bodies. And in a similar way, God calls us to devote our vessels to him in holiness. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness." Paul would say something similar in Romans 12, 1, when he would write, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. He lacked sanctity about God. And finally, number four, he lacked fidelity toward God. There was no faithfulness towards God because he worshiped other gods of metal, wood, and stone. It was idolatry. Simply put, in a word, it was idolatry. He was unfaithful to God. And anything that we elevate above God is idolatry. People can become idols in our lives. Possessions can become idols in our lives. Certain ambitions can become idols in our lives. We can make idols out of ourselves, for that matter. Anything has the potential of being adored more than God. And when that happens... God does not get the glory that he is rightly due. Tells us here in verse 23, the latter part of verse 23, Daniel says to him, And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand, don't you love that? It's just a statement about how God is so sovereign in all things that even holds, he allows us to breathe. God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not Glorified. Well, of course he's not glorifying God because he's worshiping idols. He's elevated other things above God, and those things become preeminent in his own heart and in his own life. We have to be careful of the things that we adore more than God. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. In Psalm 115, verse 1, David writes, Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name be all the glory because of your love and faithfulness. When God looks into your heart, into my heart, and he weighs us, what does he find lacking? Surely Belshazzar can serve to be a bad example for us to take note of some things that God sees. God takes note. And when he weighs our hearts, what does he find? These things, maybe other things. Let's pray today and let's just ask the Lord. Lord, when you, when you weigh my heart, I pray you don't find things lacking. But may we be vessels, 
people that are honorable before the Lord, who are accountable before the Lord, who are humble before the Lord, who treat as holy those things that are sacred to God, who are faithful to Him, not lifting up our hearts to idols, not adoring things more than we adore God. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been taking you through the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book of history and prophecy. If you have any questions about this series, the Bible itself, or the ministry of Cornerstone Connection, please feel free to reach out by calling 703-771-1500. And be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, our number is 703-771-1500. You can continue listening to Pastor Gary's messages right now as well by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or by downloading our mobile app. Pastor Gary also has some companion study resources for many of his teachings. These are located under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc and are free for you to use in your own study of the Word, including one that covers the book of Daniel. You're also invited to be part of our weekly worship gatherings here at Cornerstone Chapel. We're in the process of transitioning back into live services, so please visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for the latest information and service times, or join us online through our website, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live. Again, Our website for the latest information is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection.